We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Sean, we have some mailbag questions, mailbag questions, got a bunch. So, all right, Sean, let's go to, I thought I had a super chat in here, but I don't think so. So we're just going to go to the top instead. First question is from John Climack. John, thank you for the question. He said, how should Notre Dame be selling come play defensive line for Notre Dame? Obviously, Sean, this was early in the show. Mm-hmm. With the decommitment of Brandon Davis Swain and the fact that Notre Dame's had a couple misses in the 2023 class, if you were selling it, if you were Al Washington, if you were the defensive line coach for Notre Dame, how would you sell to potential recruits that you should come play uh, defensive line for Notre Dame? Uh, I would sell the history of development and the number of players that are in the NFL from the defensive line recently at Notre Dame, even though it's not connected to me. Yeah, it's connected to Mike Elson. But ain't nothing changed. We're going to keep the thing going and we're going to make it better. We're going to make it better because not only are you going to get to the NFL, but you're going to win championships. You're going to do something that those guys in the NFL didn't do before they got to the NFL. So, yeah, you're going to come in. We're going to find the right position for you to play. And we're going to make sure that you have versatility along the defensive line as well. We're going to move you around. We're going to bring you off the edge. We might drop you a little bit. You're going to learn all facets that no matter if the NFL team is looking for a three-man front, drop linebacker, or if they're looking for an interior guy to play possibly big in in a 3-4 or three technique on the inside of a four-man front, we are going to get you ready for every team in the NFL. So you won't be a type. You'll just be an NFL defensive lineman here in Notre Dame. I hope that was good enough. I don't know. I've never been in a on a phone call with a recruit, but it would go something like that. It's simple for me. You know, development, edu- education, development, and winning championships. That's what we do. Yep. That's what we do. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like my pitch would be similar, Sean, in that like there's an overall arching thing where Notre Dame's pitch to everyone is that hey, we're going to be different. We're going to win national championships. That's We're going to get back to that level of excellence. And I think that that level of excellence has to be the leadoff hitter to your pitch. 
But overall, I agree 100% with Sean that Notre Dame has not been bad with with producing defensive line talents. They haven't. They haven't had a first-round pick since Ronaldo win at defensive end, but you've still developed defensive linemen like Jared Tillery, who went in the first round as an interior defensive lineman, like Justin Tuck, like those types of – Victor Abiyamiri. I mean, you talk about Dalen Hayes. You talk about Adi Ogundiji. You talk about Isaiah Foskey this year. They're still big Khalid guys. Khalid Kareem. There's been plenty of guys that Notre Dame has produced. Yeah. Is it to the level of – you know, in Ohio State or Alabama right now? No, it's not. But you're progressing in the right direction. And but I mean, all honestly, Sean, I think that everything should be led by, hey, we are getting Notre Dame back to the prominence. You need to come and be different to help us get there, and we're going to win a national championship. That needs to be the main pitch, and then it goes into also we've done a pretty good job recruiting defensive line. We've done a pretty good job. We've done a nice job developing defensive line. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it helps into their advantage, Sean, when you take a guy like – I would cite an Adi Ugandiji for a second, right? And I would say we took that kid that was committed to Western Michigan, three-star player, and we got him drafted. Like we yeah. did that. We developed that kid. So yeah. just some of my thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I mean, there's no if ands, and buts about that. That's That's how you do it. And someone just said the Aquaras. Yep, I forgot about Romeo and Julian Aquara, who are both playing in the NFL right now. Romeo's actually turned into a pretty solid NFL player. So, yeah. Yep. And don't forget Kurt Heinrich, who might is getting a lot of talk for defensive rookie of the year. He's had a fantastic year. Good for him. Stefan Tewitt's another one that's a little further back than I I was trying to say a little more recent, but Stefan Tewitt obviously is a good one. Lewis Nix was RIP. Lewis Nix got drafted to the NFL. So, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good players that Notre Dame has developed on the defensive line over the years. 
We're going to go now to DD Boy. Thank you for the question. What is a realistic timeline to expect to hear about a potential quarterback transfer? Are we thinking before Christmas? So this is where we are with the quarterback transfer stuff. There's been a lot of negativity on the board about not hearing noise about it. And there's been some people on the channel as well. I would expect, all I'll say is this, right? We'll, we'll play it. We'll say it like this. Be patient. Notre Dame is grinding. Okay. They are. They're grinding. I promise you. We hear a lot of stuff. We know that Notre Dame is doing their due diligence. They are grinders out there right now on the transfer quarterback side of things. This will get resolved. I think that I think that we will end up being happy with the player that Notre Dame is able to zero in on and hopefully nab. And I would expect it sometime after the bowl game, most likely. Most likely. I mean, I, again, that's just like that's spe- that part of speculation on my part, Sean. But I just want to say to people, like again, just be patient with it. I think that good, something good is coming with that. So let's just uh, yeah, let's leave that one there. This. Was- yeah, good. What he said in this Saturday press conference, like, hit the nail on the head. Like, the timeline is you have to go through and figure out a lot. You know, there's still quarterbacks jumping in the portal. You do your homework, and then you have to schedule guys to come in around getting out to recruits and running practices and, you know, getting those guys in. Because it's not just, oh, this is our guy. I venture there's going to be multiple visits from quarterbacks to Notre Dame. That takes time. Mm -hmm. So, and as you can see, the quarterback dominoes haven't not nothing's fallen yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had a few, I think, but none of the top guys have really, you know, made a decision. So, it's, well, that quarterback position is is going to take time. I doubt if it's before Christmas. Yes. I would put it the, the week leading up to Notre Dame playing might mm-hmm. might be better. Yes. Yep. Bet. Yep. I, I would just say, just be patient with it. I think that we're going to get a resolution, you know, next few weeks and it'll be, it'll be that to your point though, Sean, that the, I kind of expected the dominoes to fall a little quicker here. I mean, cause we saw Dracovic obviously pit, pick, pick pit very quickly. Saw yeah. Cade McNamara pick Iowa very quickly, but since then it has, it's been a little silent on the quarterback side of things. Right. So Yeah. Think, uh, think, think it'll, think it'll stay quiet for a little bit here. What did he? Jack Cone committed. What was it in January? Sounds about right. I think it was January, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I mean, there's going to be more quarterbacks who are going to hop in the portal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not over with, folks. Like it's not just whatever's in the portal is what's in the portal. Like people are going in every single. Like kid jumping, yeah. Yeah, Grayson McCall just entered the portal as well. Like, yeah, it's just keep, just keep, keeps, keeps churning, man. It's gonna keep yeah. going. Sean, we had a question from Ninety Nine Problems, but BK Eight One still the best name on this chat. By the way, it's a mailbag question. People keep acting like defensive line losses are unique in other positions where they ha- there have been misses, i.e., wide receiver, quarterback, offensive line, cornerback get a pass because of how they rebounded or the other guys went uh, or the guys they landed. Yet that seems completely false. D-line still got Vernon, Houston, Traore, and Mookum. That is, of course, Brandon Vernon, Devin Houston, Bubakar Traore, and Armel Mookum. How is that worse than wide receiver, cornerback, offensive line, quarterback? Each of those groups lost dudes. 
Cornell Tate, Monroe Freeling, Justin Retz, and Dante Moore. I mean, first I would say for the example, 99 problems, Cornell Tate was a miss, sure. Monroe Freeling, Look, I, I loved Monroe Freeling. I still love Monroe Freeling, but there were some questions on the fit, and then some people outside of Notre Dame sabotaged that one, if we're being completely honest, right? So I don't put that one on Notre Dame as much. Justin Rett, that was Notre Dame's decision for the Justin Rett thing because of some academic issues. Dante Moore was a – it was a miss on Notre Dame for sure, but it wasn't fully their fault. <laughs> I mean, we'll just leave it like that, right? So I would say two misses there, and then two I wouldn't really quantify as misses. But to your point, and I think it's a solid, solid point, Sean, and this is what I was trying to say earlier, I think defensive line recruiting is still good. Like, I still think it's good. and I But I think that the reason that people are hyper-focusing more on the defensive line misses, to your point, 99 problems – is because the best recruit that Notre Dame has lost so far, all due respect to Dante Moore, is Keon Keeley. That's the that's the guy, right? Just that's the guy. The number one overall recruit in the class. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, number yeah. one in the nation. Yep, and so I mean that that's where we are with that situation, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, like I I just think that people get a little too hyperbolic. Is Notre Dame's defensive line class in twenty twenty three bad? Absolutely not. Is it very good? Yes, I would say so. Could it have been better? 100%. Would never push back. I already talked about that in the show. But I think that people are hyper-focusing on the defensive line, to your point, Sean, because Keon Kittley has an argument to be the best player in this class. Yeah. And and you did, and also, you didn't technically rebound from Keon because yeah. you didn't really get a true Viper in the class. You have some talented defensive ends, yeah. no doubt, but none of them are true Vipers. You don't really have that guy in the class. You did, however, in the Dante Moore situation, for instance – you got Kenny Minchie, who I really am a big fan of, so you rebounded in that one. So I think there wasn't technically a rebound for Keon Keeley, and he was arguably the best player in the class. Like, I think that's why people hyper-focus on it. Sometimes you have to appreciate the misses, right? I know the city of Chicago greatly appreciates the miss, you know, going into the 1984 NBA draft. Yes. Like, we missed out on the two top prospects that were Hakeem Olajuwon and uh, Sam Bowie. We ended up settling for this kid named Michael Jordan. Never heard of him. No, we'll take it. <laughs> so if we if we, lo- we lost out on Dante and had to settle for Kenny Minchie, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. You know, and the only player that the only player that could ever stop Michael Jordan from scoring twenty was Dean Smith, right, Sean? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So sometimes sometimes settling works out for you. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes – and again, there's no guarantee. I think that both Dante Moore and Keon Keeler are going to be fantastic players, Sean. But we've seen five stars miss. Like, it's not it's – not, this isn't like a foregone conclusion that all the players we listed are going to be fantastic. No. The, the, the law of averages say that probably two out of four of those guys won't hit. Yeah. It's the law of averages. I mean – I'm in the NFL draft space, man. If you hit it 50% of the time on your draft picks, you're a good drafter, right? Like you are. And it's similar in recruiting, man. Not all these guys are going to hit. Just like not every player. And I think, was it you that said that Cam McDaniel said something like that on the podcast where it's like, you know, you know, maybe 20 out of whatever would, would hit, right? Like it's not, it's not a full conclusion. Chris Fink. It was Chris Fink that said Chris that. Fink yeah. Talking about stars and talking about the percentage of, 
five stars that hit and the percentage of the elite 11 quarterbacks that hit. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just goes to strength of your coaching staff and strength of development, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to believe in what you're selling as far as the yeah. program. And then you have to believe in the kids that you get in. Mm-hmm. Like, because the kids that you get in, if you make them the best players that they can be, you're going yeah. to win football games. No doubt. You're going to win football games. I don't care if you're getting in three stars, majority three or four stars. If you're developing those kids to be the best, you're going to win games. You might not go up against Alabama and win, but you're going to win some darn games. I wonder how many three stars are on that TCU roster. It'll be very yeah. interesting. That's a good and point. And the recruiting rankings for the, for the guys that's on their squad. Sean, I, I just had to pull up this funny comment. I'm sorry. It's just really funny. Brent Smith said, compare Michael Jordan to Kenny Mitch. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I didn't do that. I, he didn't, I didn't do that. I don't think I compared Michael Jordan to Kenny Minchie at all. You did do that. It was just a funny uh, comment. It was just a funny comment. Yeah, I just want I to, to, to set that record straight. He did not do that. He did not do that. <laughs> to awesome. Archer. Archer, 452. What's up, Archer? Said mailbag. Josh Pate on late kick said if he was a tight end in the portal, he wants to go to Notre Dame. Do you think Notre Dame should target a portal tight end or any of the uh, stack with the guys currently on the roster? Archer, I, I feel like Notre Dame is – is and this is just my opinion. There's no intel here, Sean, and I would love your insight on it too. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's necessarily – if you feel okay about Eli Raritan getting back from his injury, I don't know if it's a massive need because you have Holden Stace, obviously. You still have Kane Barong. You have Cooper Flanagan coming in. You might have Michael ba- ba- uh, Bowman coming back as well. So you have numbers, and you have some very talented football players. But I would say this is if I wasn't – if I didn't feel super confident about Eli Raritan coming back in a reasonable amount of time and Kevin Bauman, you know, maybe his future, I think mm-hmm. I would be active in the portal. At least look around, in my opinion. I, I don't know I because – I'll say this, folks. I'll have something on the board in a little bit. I do know Notre Dame at least reached out to at least one tight end in the portal, and I'll leave it at it that for, at this moment. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's a secondary need. I don't think it's a main need, but if I was Notre right. Dame, I think I might be looking around the portal a little bit for some tight end depth. Once again, they would have to have knowledge of what's going on with Eli Raritan and his knee, and that's his second knee uh, surgery. So, I'm sure they're going to be very careful with him. I doubt we see him in the spring, and he's going to be a fall camp. Probably won't see him during the season until maybe week three or week four, right? You have Kevin Bauman coming back from his injury, and you have Holden Stays. Then you have Cooper Flanagan. And then possibly, would it be comfortable to add numbers? Maybe. Do they have a preferred walk-on that they could bring in? you know, to contribute and just have numbers, possibly. But I think tight end is definitely at the bottom of the list as far as wants in the transfer portal. Uh, if a guy becomes available that interests them, sure, you check it out. Anytime you get a really good player at any position that could add to your roster, I'm sure it's something you would look into. But I think positions that they're actively looking into, I don't think cornerback is a position they're actively looking at the portal. Tight end, I don't think it's a position they're actively looking at the portal. 
Running back is not a position they're actively looking at the portal uh, unless something happens mm-hmm. after the bowl game. And I still don't think they will be looking at the portal. But every other position, if a player fits and you feel like it's an upgrade, yeah, you uh, you take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, strengthening your roster, Sean, I mean – Again, tight end might be a secondary need for you, but if you don't feel great about, you know, the injury bug that's in the room a little bit, I mean, we'll let, see. let me ask you a question. A yes. lot of people look at Michael Mayer's departure and they talk about it from an impact in the passing game. I think his departure impacts the running game, and it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with blocking. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we see a running game that becomes more creative out of 11 personnel mm-hmm. rather, rather than 12 personnel. Right. Like, how are we running the ball when we have three wide receivers on the field? That would unlock a lot, mm-hmm. especially if you have threats that can threaten down the field and keep the yep. safety back. Well, now – Go ahead. We talked about that a lot last week, Sean, because Brian actually brought that up, playing maybe a little more 11 personnel. And if you want to cycle in the F position, which is more the pass-catching tight end role, with a Jaden Thomas instead, right? Mm -hmm. Like more of that type of body type. I think it's it's interesting, and I think that you have a solid point, to be honest. Like I think that if you don't feel great about your tight end depth, I think you have wide receivers now that are coming in that – I mean, couldn't you see Jaden Greathouse doing the same stuff as Jaden Thomas is doing as far as blocking and such? I think he'd do that stuff for sure. Can you imagine these running backs with more space? Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like, Offenses make – they make things hard for themselves sometimes, Sean, because I understand Tommy Reese's his, – his want to play some 12 personnel. Like, I get it because you have oh. talented tight ends, obviously, right? And they're – I mean, heading into the season, you had a lot of uncertainty at wide receiver. And I get it. I get those things. But I believe that the best coaches mature as far as fundamentally understanding how each team needs to play football. And I think that seeing maybe Tommy Reese going to a little more 11 personnel next year might be a better idea because you're going to have a great offensive line. You're going to have a a much deeper wide receiver unit. You're going to have great running backs. Let's spread it open a little bit, man. Let's get the numbers out of the box. Yeah. So, yeah, I yep. mean, that is that is the current era of college football running the ball with three wide receivers on the field, like all of the explosive offenses do it. Yeah, and Josh, just, Heupel, Josh Heupel literally just take he forces you to take your safeties out the box because he puts his split, he splits his receivers out so wide, <laughs> you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice, and you know. I just, I just said that I thought that uh, that Jaden Greyhouse could be a brave blocker, and apparently that's blasphemy. I don't understand, Sean. I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, he, heck, he's big enough. He should be a good blocker. He's a great blocker, man. That's one thing that people don't talk about with Jaden Greyhouse enough, but that dude is a dog in the front game. Absolute dog. Wait a couple super chats, um, Sean. We had Brock Fanville, Fonville, excuse me, with Super Sticker. Thank you so much. And then he had a super chat as well. That he wanted answer, he just said, "What year do you predict a national title?" I say 2023. 
All right, Sean, Notre Dame has its best chance at a national title. What year is it? Best chance? Yeah. I think next year they have a shot, man. I do. I think next year they have a shot. um, Best chance. Uh, So are you saying a shot or best chance? I guess if you want to throw out – I mean, one – all right, that's a good point, right? Because I think the further along that the staff gets and the more talent they acquire, they're going to have better chances moving forward. I guess – here, let me ask you this. When mm-hmm. does the championship window open, and when is mm-hmm. it at its best? I think it starts to open now, but I think it's at its peak. Minchie's sophomore year, Carr's freshman year, and like the next three years after that. Right? Because if Minchie's developing, does he stay for a fourth year? Right. Right? And then that's Carr's going into his second, third year. And like if they're battling uh-huh. and you're getting a lead quarterback battle between those guys, then the team is going to be better. Mm-hmm. The team is automatically going to be better. And then, then you add in whomever they bring in at 25 to add to the mix. You know, if yep. you have two really good quarterbacks, then more than likely you end up with a good quarterback in 25 to add to the mix. And we're not even talking about Tyler and Steve and, and, and Jelly actually yes. getting better. So I would say um, 23 to 26 with the peak being Menchie's junior year, Carr's mm-hmm. sophomore year. You know, you know what's weird, Sean, is I like to think that I'm an optimistic person, right? Mm-hmm. And I was optimistic during the Brian Kelly years at times. You know, like I, I kept telling myself like, 2012 was different. Mm-hmm. 2020 was different. Those, those They were different. We we're going to do it that year finally. I have never been more optimistic as a Notre Dame fan moving forward than where I am right now. And that's coming off of an 8-4 and four season with a bowl game left to play. I really do believe in this staff. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I might, be, I might be wrong. I might be proven to be wrong. But I think that Notre Dame is going to accomplish some great things moving forward here. And I never really thought, felt like that way during the BK era. Certainly didn't feel that way during the Charlie Weiss era. Well, I felt that way the first year and a half of the Charlie Weiss era, first two years of the Charlie Weiss era. But something does feel different. I don't know if it's just me, but something does feel a little different. And hopefully yeah. it is. Hopefully it is. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's go on to the next question. This is from Michael. Michael, thank you for the question. He said, Ryan and Sean. What are both of your honest opinions of the direction of college football? Ooh, it's going to be a long one, isn't it? NIL, transfer portal, and so on. I just want your upfront honest feelings. I feel it's going downhill. Sean, I mean, I'm going to put out my, my reasons in a very short amount of time because this is definitely a show that we're going to talk about a little more in depth, I feel like. So, uh, I mean, like this is going to be a full show at some point, right? Like, 100% yeah. is. These are my feelings. I'm okay with the transfers opportunities. I think that there should be some sort of not a punishment, but there, there has to be something that maybe makes it. I I think that it's make, I think for some players, it's making it a little too easy to transfer at points where they are now. I I feel like a lot of players are just running from competition unfairly. But at the end of the day, it's their choice what what program they want to be at. 
So I don't have too much of a stickler against the transfer portal. The NIL stuff I think is much different because I am all for players getting paid hundred percent. I am, I am pro player in that argument. And if players are using NIL name image likeness correctly to utilize their name, work with companies, be compensated for their brands, 100%. No issue with that. Commercials, advertisements, whatever. I'm good. Events, 100%. Where you lose me on the NIL is that everyone categorizes NIL in one bucket and they include pay-for-play and that type of compensation. Right. That's not NIL. That's not. That's improper benefits. So I feel like, unfortunately, just my opinion, Michael, these kids are set up for failure. And some of these programs are set up for failure because the NCAA has done nothing to have any type of standards or restrictions on how teams can use NIL. Yeah, That's my point. And it's going to get a lot worse. I agree with you. It's going downhill because it's going to get a lot worse before it gets mm-hmm. any better. Because until there is a governing board – that is able to assist these players and getting educated better and these programs and really understand what NIL is at the core, then nothing's going to get better. So that's, you know, I'm not going to go super in depth about it. I just feel like until we have a real understanding of what you can do, what you can't do, and what is the real essence of NIL in this landscape, things aren't going to get any better. It's going to continue to be the, the wild West. And when you amplify that by the transfer portal, that makes things even worse because now players are hopping in the portal to go get NIL deals at a much higher rate. So it's going to make it worse. It's going to amplify everything. I wish the NCAA would help people, would educate people on what NIL is, how to utilize it, and some standards and restrictions that need to be abided by. That's my thoughts on it. I thank you for laying that foundation, Ryan. Now allow me to keep it 100 for a second. The spirit of NIL was started by somebody that most of these kids don't even know. If you ask them if they knew who Ed O'Bannon was, they would have no clue. Ed O'Bannon did this and felt like he needed value placed on his name, image, and likeness. Wait, Ryan, wait for it. After he won a national championship, not while he was being recruited, it came to him, I'm a national champion. And I'm thinking about being a top five pick in the draft or returning to UCLA. Hmm. I think I'm undervalued when I look at the money I bring to this university and what they've made off of my name and my jersey and my likeness with video games and apparel and everything. And somehow, some way, the fan bases and the fans have been poisoned by the business side, the illegal business side of college football that existed for years that found this little loophole to say, oh, we can now make look what we're doing look legal. SEC teams, all my fault. I didn't mean to isolate one conference like that, my fault. So if we connect this to NIL, we can make it seem like it's under the same umbrella. 
Well, if you go look at the legal documents, high school kids really have no right to NIL money from a university when they're not part of the brand. You actually have to sign on. Ed O'Bannon made the argument because he had been there and built a name or built his name up to a certain point and won a national championship. See, he put in work. See, Zenith has a saying, the quality goes in before the name goes on. There are no names on the back of Notre Dame jerseys. So if you want to make a name in Notre Dame, put some work in. And then when you put the work in and you get Notre Dame to a college football playoff or you get Notre Dame to a national championship, then grab your money. That's how it should work. That was the spirit of what Ed O'Bannon was trying to do. These kids getting recruited, Ed O'Bannon wasn't talking about that. Mm-hmm. That's not name, image, and likeness. That's not the not- spirit of it. But unfortunately, you know, we feel like, well, you know, kids should be, they have the right to their money. Yes, they do. But unfortunately, that's not the spirit of the rule or right. of what was brought before the courts and was, was eventually passed. And that's the unfortunate thing, right? It's just misguided and a misuse of what was purposed for good things, mm-hmm. right? So because the bigger fight should be, and I know people will probably want me to keep this on the low, the mm-hmm. bigger fight should be Notre Dame players asking what's up with the new contract. I'm talking about the current players because that's that's under the umbrella of name, image, and likeness. You you have to use my likeness every Saturday that we have a home game. What's up with that? Like That's the spirit of the law, not how do we get this kid to come to Notre Dame. Yep. He wants to know what we're going to do for him. What have you done for us? You What? <laughs> You're asking us what we can do for you, and you haven't done a darn thing for us? That's a good point, man. That's a good point. That's what are we point. doing? In a relationship, in a relationship, has to be two sides, right? Two Absolutely. beneficiaries. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, you're not wrong. You're not Absolutely. wrong. What are we doing? Oh, that's funny. We can't even I... talk about you until National Signing Day. Mm-hmm. So why would I? Why am I promising you something again? Why? <laughs> why? Ugh, that's really funny, man. That's, crazy. that's yeah. why I tell people: do your homework, man. Do your research. These kids that talk nil. They need to uh, pay homage to Ed O'Bannon. That's what they need to do. Yeah. I really do like Brian's point before too, Sean. I don't know if you agree with this, but he always talks about like, if we're going to do this type of stuff, these benefits and stuff, there should be a, uh, should be a contract involved. And don't disagree. And make sure taxes, well, taxes are involved, but. Taxes are involved, but like a player, you know, like if, if a player's being promised the starting spot or being promised this and that, they should have that in writing. They should. I mean, that's, that's what you're going to the school for. Because, I mean, because recruits get lied to, too. Yeah. Let's not act like it's just a one-way street, right? Like, it, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But great question, Michael. Again, I want to talk about this on a full podcast one time because there's a, it's a lot we could talk about, man. This could be a three-hour conversation if we wanted yeah. it to be, so. Great question, Michael. Thank you so much. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to knock this one out real quick. David Lowe just said, late on the show, any updates on Jeremiah Love and Jane Lamar? David, I mean, from where I am, I just talked to Jane Lamar on the phone yesterday, talked to Jeremiah Love and his family, excuse me, pretty regularly. I have no reason to feel like they're not going to end up in the class at this time. I mean, could it be them, you know, just kind of putting out what they want to put out? It could be, but that's just my pulse right now. I don't get deceptiveness from them from either side. So I feel like they're going to end up in Notre Dame's class, but we'll know. What's today? The 11th? The 11th? 12th. We're going to know in nine days. Okay. We'll know in nine days if they do or not, but I, I feel, I feel good about where Notre Dame is. Question, Sean from Irish bloody said mailbag. If with Brandon Hillman, if he's on defense, do you see Notre Dame moving, uh, moving more to a banjo type defense and more to the model style uh, nickel defense, or with Bowen, we'll be playing more of the star position in Diamond Box. So Irish Blood, I, I don't expect the defense to change much. I think that certain positions in the defense are just going to look a little bit different. So defensively, I ultimately think that Brand Hillman's going to be a rover. Again, he could play running back, he could play wide receiver, could play safety, you know, he could play all over. But I do think that the four-two-five base is still going to be the thing. I, I do. Could there be some variations of a three-three involved and a little more dime? Yeah, it's possible. But I think the four-two-five alignment is still going to be the base defense. And I think that what you're going to see though is instead of, of it being a Drew Tranquil, Jack Kaiser type of rover that are more linebackers than they are safeties, you might see a guy that's more in the vein of a Brandon Hillman. That is a more safety compared to linebackers. So I don't think it's a scheme change. I don't think that there's an emphasis change. I think that the model of the position in the defense could change a little bit. So just kind of what I see. I I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame's rover is much more of a safety type than a linebacker type long-term. That's just my opinion. though. It's funny how like take Clemson, for example, I think Clemson uses their rover, um, and it might be schematic because you might be able to explain this better than me, Ryan. Mm-hmm. They almost use the rover position to get their athlete on the field. Yep. And then once they play, they move them to will mm-hmm. and get the next athletic guy in a yeah. rover. Yeah. You know, because I mean, Sean, because the easy so going from a four-two-five base to a nickel defense, it's very mm-hmm. basic, right? You take usually you take. The rover out, you put a nickel in. So that would be Jack Kaiser comes off the field and you put Tariq Bracey on, for instance. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is, is that some defenses will do this where 
if they have more of a linebacker type as the rover, they'll slide him in the will. They'll take that other will off the field or they'll take the mic off the field. Yeah. And then you'll put the nickel in the game. Yeah. Right. So it's just about how you cycle out the extra defender for the nickel player. Yeah. But yeah, but it's interesting. Looking from, I was actually talking about from a developmental standpoint year to year. Oh, oh okay. That's I got gotcha. you. So, so, like, so like Trenton Simpson went from the overhang to the will this year. That's absolutely, what you're saying. Absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Right, because he was like, okay, we want him with his athleticism. We had to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. So let's let him be athletic and rover. Yep. And then once he has reps, now we can move him to the wheel. And then you know the kid they brought in that was having a great season this year mm-hmm. at the rover position for them. So it is like you said, a Brandon Hillman at that position would be. <laughs> Be wild, man. Be wild. That's because eventually I think we both see Jalen Sneed probably at a linebacker position mm-hmm. as he matures and grows. So, yeah. But the role yeah. position is a perfect position for him to get on the field. No doubt about it. Or just be athletic. Yeah. Want to bang out a couple of these real quick, Sean, because we're running out of time. But Coleman Spitz just said, mailbag, who are some linebacker targets in the portal? Nobody. I don't think Notre Dame is going to go after a linebacker in the portal. Yeah. Look, you have the option of bringing back, if you would like, J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, and Maris Loifel on top of Prince Colley. And then you also have the four-man class from – well, three-man class now since Joshua Burnham's now playing, playing defensive end, playing the Viper position. But you still have – Guys like Prince Kali, you still have Nolan Ziegler, you still have Junior Tulia Lamaka, even though he's doing a little bit of defensive end Viper work now. But then, Sean, you also have Drake Bowen coming in. You have Jay Osbury, you have Preston Zinter. So Notre Dame's not hurting for talent at linebackers. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be any oh, linebackers. Did you see the, the video Preston Zinter dropped this weekend? Yes, it did. His workout. He had. Sean, so apparently he had 116 tackles this year. He had a pretty good season, to my understanding. So, yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. I think he might be a little un- bit underrated in this well, class. But we'll, we'll let him stay under wraps until he's ready to yes. explode. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I wanted to answer this one real quick is Ant underscore VR. He was talking to Archery. He just said Notre Dame just isn't pulling guys like Dylan Riola, Ian Moore, and Brandon Innes. I just wanted to comment on this one real quick. Yes, mm-hmm. they haven't gotten a quarterback to the talent level of a Dylan Rayola. No doubt. Would not argue against that one. Brandon Innes is a really good wide receiver. There's still a couple wide receivers in Notre Dame's class that I think are pretty comparable talent-wise. Yeah, I just wanted to push back on the Ian Moore thing, though, Sean, because yeah. Ian Moore – is someone that Notre Dame didn't push for and yeah. probably would be in the he would probably be in the Notre Dame class right now if Notre Dame wanted him in the class. So I just want to push back on that one part of that because like yeah, still in Rayola, sure. Brandon Innes to a degree, sure. Ian Moore, nah, nah. That's not that's not a good example there. That's not a good example. Yeah. Knocking this one out to Shamrock Sean. He said, Ryan, how well is Coach McCullough recruiting both of his sons? Would love to see Deshaun McCullough transfer and die commits. We also had someone said, Sean, that uh, a follow-up to that, Andrew Straussbaugh said, why are both uh, McCullough's boys not an auto commit to Notre Dame? So Sean, I just want- <laughs> yeah, because because their father and the parents are letting them have their process together for one, right? right? They're right. not getting super, like – they're not helicopter parents, right? Like they're letting them have their process for one. For two, 
Dai McCullough, the younger brother, who's a 2024, uh, sorry, 2023 safety, is someone that Notre Dame is not actively recruiting. And that hurts their chances at Deshaun, right or wrong, because it's it's kind of a package deal a little bit, right? It is. If they end up at Oklahoma, which is what's being projected right now, it's because both of them want to be together. That's mm-hmm. where we are. So Notre Dame isn't pushing for Dai McCullough, so that's why it isn't a foregone conclusion auto commits. That's where we are right now. So Deshaun, it looks like at the moment, is going to end up where Dai ends up, which – that's where we are. That's where we are. So, and Oklahoma is what everyone's talking about. So, it's kind of where we are right now. All right, Sean, we had this one, which is an interesting one. Super chat from Casa Hodge. Thank you, Casa. Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall announces he'll enter the portal after the bowl game. Your two thoughts on the fit at Notre Dame? I'm still collecting my thoughts a little bit, Sean. I'll say this: where mm-hmm. he fits well from a style perspective is Grayson is not the strongest arm of, of all time, but he is a pretty accurate quarterback. He works well off of play action, does oh. those things. Well, I do think from a passing perspective, he would fit pretty solidly into, into coach Reese's offense. I do yeah. athletically. He's solid. He's a good athlete overall. I, I do. Th- I do think that there's better options on the board though. I think Grayson's a good player. I don't think, I just don't think he's a great player. I think he's yeah. a good college quarterback, but I think that there are a couple options Notre Dame is looking at that I would prefer over Grayson McCall. So yeah. that's, that's – For me, um, I haven't really tapped into his film. So I'm not speaking this from the standpoint of uh, who he is as a quarterback on the field. Can I can I just add this too, Sean? Yeah. Another thing that's a little tough with his evaluation for me is that he does play in a really, really gimmicky offense. That's basically a, a – a, bastardized triple option that he yeah. plays in, which is yeah. just good. Going from that offense to a pro style offense would be a bit of an adjustment, uh, yeah. adjustments. I said adjustment, like that's a word adjustments, but yeah. to your point, Sean. Um, Malik said something to me today that made a lot of sense. He said, people are really over evaluating this quarterback situation because there's really only one direction to go. He said, we have a bunch of guys in the quarterback room that don't have experience. So why would you go out and get anybody that doesn't have a ton of experience? He said, that pretty much cuts the list down for you. Like, if you're not going to get a guy that has some big game experience, that's played in big games, and has played a bunch of football to lead this team next year, he's like, then what are we doing in the portal? And I I tend to agree with him. I tend to agree with him. And I think experience – is going to be huge. Now, how much experience was the cutoff, you know, in that evaluation? You know, he started at Coastal Carolina, but I don't know how much big game experience he's had, right? Jack Cohn, in my opinion, was successful at Notre Dame because he had a lot of football experience. He had a yep. lot of reps, right? Mm-hmm. So coming into this situation, and what is a steady program and what was a steady program at that time, it was easy for him to elevate and play up to that level. And I think yep. there's a couple of guys in the portal that kind of meet that criteria and mm-hmm. will be able to come in and do that. They might not be the sexiest picks, but I think experience is the first thing I would be looking for, right? Because that's what you don't have. 
right? Right. And yep. that's what really cost your team this year. So if you're not going out trying to find an experienced quarterback in the portal, then what are we doing? Right. And a, and a guy that I think could play early in that system is like a big thing for me. I, mm-hmm. I just I don't know if that's Grayson McCall. I don't dislike McCall. It's just I just think there are a couple other pl- players that I think fit better. I, just, I think it's I a good fit. Yeah, I don't know how many big games he's played. It he goes beat, back, like, I mean, he beat, he beat BYU when he was a retro freshman, if you want to count that as a big game. That was with the Zach Wilson yeah. BYU team. I, I, yeah, you but know. you stack that up against the people he would be going up against. Yes. That would be under consideration as far as big games. That's mm-hmm. – I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a jump up. It's a very different offensive philosophy switch. And, yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, talent-wise, he's good enough to play at Notre Dame, but – I don't know. Man, come on. McCall, Somebody McCall, said, yeah, it's more McCall is more biggie. <laughs> what? Stop. Stop. Name him. Na- name, name the big games. I mean, he beat BYU oh. when he was a retro yeah. freshman. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Dude. I mean, um, Tyler Buckner did play on the road against Virginia Tech. He did play against Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. He did play against Ohio State this year, right? I'm just saying, like, we discredit <laughs> like Tyler Buckner played pretty much in every game last year until he got hurt. Yeah. So no. Every game for Notre Dame darn near is a big game. So no, Grayson McCall having one game per year. That's a big game. Come on. That's yeah. that's yeah. being a little bit unfair. And I don't think Tyler Buckner has that much <laughs> big game experience to this point, but I'm not going to go that far. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But we'll have a lot more time to talk about transfer portal options. All right, Sean, go into now from Salty Virginia Peanuts. Salty said, Ryan, a while back, Braylon James and the Great Ones said they were working on their own Texas recruiting targets. Were they referring to um, KK, which is um, uh, Caleb Smith only, or are there others? Or or were there others? So that was mostly talking about Austin Novosad. That was kind of like when all that stuff was happening. And they, I know that they were both recruiting him a little bit because he's a guy that Braylon knows well from a seven on seven action. And Jaden also knows him from playing against Austin. So that was pretty much it. I mean, there were a couple guys I think that were out there, but I don't think there was anybody that was like seriously being recruited by either one of those guys. And then last question, Sean, we always end the one with a little bit of an off the wall topic. So Ryan this is from Matt McCarthy. Ryan, what's the best place to get a cheesesteak in the South Jersey, Philadelphia area? Are you a Pats or Geno's guy? Between those two, Matt, I'm a Pats guy. But what's the real answer? But the real answer is that <laughs> people aren't going to want to hear this because it's actually not a Philly spot. Yes. <laughs> I knew that was a real answer coming. In, so there's a place in South Jersey that is called Lilo's, which is actually about 15 minutes from my house. Mm. They specialize in tomato pies is their specialty. But okay. Sean, best cheese thing I've ever had, bar none. Like it's not okay. even close. It's not okay. even close. They have so the bad thing people do with cheesesteaks sometimes is that they just grease everything up. It's just all about slopping together. Right. This place, Lilo's, high quality steak, fantastic. Cheese is just 
perfect. They melted on there perfectly. It's not just a slot fest, right? right. Really good seated roll. Fantastic. And they actually take the roll before they put the steak and everything on. They butter it with this garlic butter and mm-hmm. then toast it on the grill and then throw everything in there. See, Sean, it's best cheesesteak of all time, man. It's the small things. See, yes, I like it. That. Is it is a it is a very family oriented place, and they take yeah. time on their food, sir. So sometimes the wait time is a little a little tough, but they uh, good food, man. Really, really good food. The pizza is also delicious. Delicious. Oh, man. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Tomato pies. They have even have this. Uh, so my wife is lactose intolerant, so she can't have cheese, obviously. They have a tomato pie with no cheese, and they put, like, pepperoni and stuff on there, and it's a cauliflower crust because my wife is also gluten-free. I'm a fan of cauliflower crust. It's, oh, man, it's so good. It is crisp to perfection. You hear that snap? It is oh, man, it's really, really good. I really, really good. order a pizza, Brian. You just inspired me. Do it, man. Do oh, it. Yeah. And if there is ever a better time to end the podcast, I think it's on cheesesteaks and pizza, man. That's where we are right now. So want to thank everybody for joining us again. It's Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. Thank you all so much. Before you go, Please hit that like button. It's free, folks. It really helps us out a lot with all the YouTube algorithms out there and all that good stuff. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell. We'll have a lot more podcasts in the near future leading up to the signing day. Also go over to CFB Nation on YouTube and subscribe to that podcast as well because I know that they are going to have a lot of talking points. John Garcia has has his national recruiting podcast that you're going to want to check out leading up to signing day. Also, the Bills from Sporting News are on there that they had kind of do more of a wide-scope college football talk. You're going to want to check that out. Make sure to go check out the Lucky Lefty podcast with Mr. Sean Davis and Malik Zaire, who's also on the CFB Nation podcast. Great podcast as well. Make sure to hit five stars on all of those. Sign up for the, for the uh, boards at irishbreakdown.com as we have more intel heading towards signing day as well as t- talking ball on the transfer portal markets. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you so much. For Sean, I am Ryan. Thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast.